For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. <laughs> Damn it, for three, Somebody tell him he's a rookie. What's up, Clipper Nation? Jesse Cass here with a brand new episode of Believe in Clippers. Really happy to have you here on a brand new episode here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. Uh, Very happy to have you here, as we said. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been able to get an episode up through the, the holidays and obviously a lot has happened in that time for the Clippers. They have been rolling at home and rolling in general. They've won nine of the last 10 games. They're 13-1 and one at home, but they'll be put to the test on the road as they have a six-game road trip beginning tonight as we release this podcast against one of the best teams in the league in the Milwaukee Bucks. So a lot to talk about there. Before we get to everything, I want to let you know that if you do enjoy the show, you can please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. We're also available on any other directory that you can find for podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. And you can also find us at Believe.com and any social media handle at Believe Podcast. So with that, we're going to get right into it here on this episode of Believe in Clippers, breaking down the past few weeks for the team and looking forward to this upcoming six-game road trip and nine of the next 11 games on the road. So without further ado, let's get into it here on Believe in Clippers. And Clipper Nation, as we said, it's been a little bit of time since we've talked, but we're going to get back in our usual weekly and sometimes multi-weekly episodes here on the Believe Podcast Network. But since we last talked, the Clippers have gone through quite a lot in terms of just developing their chemistry and becoming the team that we all were expecting at the start of the season. Last time we talked, they were 7-3, and three, coming off a 10-point win against the Raptors. They had a couple of tough losses, one of them a close game against the Rockets where they kind of imploded at the end of the ball game, and then a really bad loss to the Pelicans. Although Kawhi didn't play that game, it was Paul George's first game. And then since then, it has been really lights out for this Clippers team. And you can point to really one main factor in that. Paul George is back, and Kawhi has been there for most of the part as well. So we talked about that on the last episode. What would their chemistry be like? How quickly could they integrate Paul George into the system? And the answer was instantly. He can do it all. Such a silky smooth game. Obviously finished third in MVP voting last year. It's easy to how quickly we can forget how good a player can be. But right away, Paul George reminded us with his first two games, and even though his first game came at a loss against the Pelicans, he had over 30 in that game in under 20 minutes. He did the same thing in his first home game against the Hawks where the Clippers put up 150 points in a blowout 49-point victory. He has been absolutely incredible, and it's really no surprise. Paul George is one of the best players in the game, and adding him to Kawhi, that's what we've all been waiting for and anticipating in this offseason. 
And all that said, no practice time for these two until the past few days in preparation for this game against the Milwaukee Bucks. We know Doc Rivers loves to choose rest over practice at this juncture in the season, uh, but they finally were able to get some practice time together, you know, looking at your watch or your phone or whatever it is, however you tell the date. It's December 6th, and the first time the Clippers are able to practice together in, in nearly three weeks, and the first time that they've been able to do it with Paul George and Kawhi together. So that is a great sign for the simple fact that they're already playing well without them having practice together, so things could only go up from here. So that's that's a great sign for this Clippers team. But thinking about Paul George and what he brings to the ball club, he's always been a dynamic offensive player, a great defensive player as well. But you look back to his career prior to the Clippers, some good teams, some very good teams granted in Indiana in Oklahoma City. But you look at those offensive systems and the type of systems he had to play in, and he was really spectacular individually, but those systems were not big-time offensive systems. You look at Indiana, that was a throwback to the 90s style of basketball. They were a grinded-out team. Paul George would carry the load offensively, and they'd kind of work in the post to Roy Hibbert in the mid-range with David West, but they were not a prolific offensive team. They would score, you know, they'd like to grind it out and play those low-scoring battles. And then you think about Oklahoma City. Granted, they could score the ball, they could push the pace, but with Russell Westbrook and really no great shooters surrounding he and Paul George. Uh, You had Adams inside, but outside of that, uh, the shooting on the outside was really poor. So it was an offensive team where there was not a lot of space to operate. Uh, You know, they were not necessarily a terrific offensive ball club, even though they did at times score a lot of points. Their efficiency was not there. So with all that said, you think about Paul George, who's been such an incredible, dynamic offensive player. He's done that in systems that have not been conducive to offense. So you look at him now with Doc Rivers, who's had one of the top five offenses, top 10 offenses every single year that he's been the head coach of the Clippers. And that also throws back to his Celtics time as well. He's been a great offensive coach and offensive mind for a long time. And then you also throw in the fact that he's playing with so many offensive weapons and dynamic offensive players on this team. Of course, Kawhi Leonard and what he can do, all the attention he draws offensively. But then Lou Williams at 6'1", might be one of the best offensive players ever in the game when you look at what he does on a nightly basis at his size and just the fact that no one can stop Lou. He really has, you think about great shots and Kareem's skyhook and Michael Jordan's fadeaway. Lou's fading left jumper is really unstoppable because he's floating in the air away from the defender and to this point in his career, I believe it was year 14 or 15 for Lou, no one's been able to stop it. So what he brings offensively, of course, Montrez Harrell, you have four players that are averaging right around 20 points or over in the ballgame. Montrez is averaging 19. Everyone else is over 20. So four players that do that. And then you throw in shooting and just hustle players on the outside. Uh, of course, Landry Shaman has missed some time with his ankle injury, but knockdown three-point shooter in Shamit. Beverly can hit the open three. Zubats is very good inside. Uh, of course, Harkless, Patrick Patterson's been playing well, Magruder, Jermichael Green. It goes on and on and on, and you just think about that with Paul George. His overall scoring number a little bit down from last year, but that's to be expected. His efficiency is through the roof. He's averaging 24 points a game, essentially 23 and a half, in just 29 and a half minutes. So his minutes well down right now. He's still playing very well and efficiently, and he's shooting 42% from three, on almost 10 attempts per ball game. So he's really getting the three-point shot up. 
He's still getting to the free throw line five times a game where he's shooting 93%, uh, so 45% overall from the field. If he raises that a little bit, he could be on pace for a 50-40-90 season with the type of offense that he's playing in right now. And like Kawhi Leonard and his enhanced role as a facilitator, we've seen the same thing with Paul George. With all the weapons on the floor for the Clippers, everyone can serve as a de facto playmaker with the ball handling skills that they have. Kawhi, Lou Williams, Paul George, you know, even Beverly to an extent at times. But George averaging three and a half assists per ball game. Lou Williams averaging over six. Kawhi averaging over five. Just shows that everyone is involved and can make each other better. You know, there's been a lot made about this team and what areas they can improve. And the most talked about areas for the Clippers are either point guard play or help up front with additional front court depth. And, you know, obviously you can always improve and always get better. So I'm not saying they don't need to add someone down the road, potentially at the deadline if something surfaces. But I really don't think the point guard situation is something that is a concern to this team at all. You know, with how much basketball has changed over the past decade or so, you don't necessarily need a star point guard to be great in this league. Now, there are plenty of dynamic, great point guards, but you look at the teams that have won the championship, and of course, Curry and the Warriors have done that, but they are just dynamic on a whole nother level. What really took them to the next level was adding Kevin Durant, having great shooters in Clay Thompson, and another ball handler in Draymond Green, and really everyone else could help facilitate and create plays for themselves. And that's something similar we see here with this Clippers team where they don't have your traditional point guard, but they have so many playmakers that I don't think it's an issue. As you said, all the players that we mentioned are averaging over three and a half or four assists per ball game. And they can create for everyone else. As long as you have those creators who can, A, get in space, get in the lane and draw defenders, and B, take people off the dribble, they have that in spades with, with Lou, George, and Kawhi. And as we said, other players can step up and do that at times as well. So that's why I think this team has been so successful to this point, 16-6 and six as we record this right now. But Paul George is really thriving, and I think he'll only continue to improve, which is a scary sight. Uh, but, you know, he's working himself back from two shoulder surgeries, and it doesn't look like he's missed a beat at all. He's been absolutely phenomenal, and the Clippers have played very well since his return. And as we said, it's been a great home schedule for the Clippers. They've had a lot of tough games in this time, so it hasn't been a cookie-cutter schedule, but they have been home-heavy, and they'll be tested on the road. Clippers now 13-1 and at home after really taking advantage of some home cooking. They went 5-0 and on a five-game homestand. Mentioned that was when Paul George first came back. He took the lead in that game versus the Hawks without Kawhi and in the game versus the Thunder. Uh, which was a very interesting ball game back on November 18th. A two-point win for the Clippers, one where they didn't really play well offensively at all, but one of those games that we talked about in our previous episodes where they just grinded through and used their defense to, to get them through, and Paul George eventually made the game winner to win that game 90-88, to but seeing a couple familiar faces in, in Shea Gildas-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari, and of course Chris Paul, and I don't know about everyone else out there in Clipper Nation, but just, just watching that game, I couldn't help but laugh, despite being very frustrated at the moment when Chris Paul came up with a great defensive play, as he often did as a Clipper, stole the ball away from Paul George late, and then had George on his hip up the way the, on the way up the floor and did one of his dramatic barrel roll falls to, smartly for Chris, draw the foul, and at that point, put the Thunder up by two with two free throws with about 35 seconds to go before Paul George hit the game-winning three-pointer, but it was it was classic CP3 
and one where you kind of just had to shake your head. I don't know if you could get too mad at it because we had seen it so often from this side of the coin, but the Clippers were able to overcome anyway and pick up that two-point victory. And then we finally were able to get the beginning of the Kawhi-Paul-George tandem, the era, whatever you want to call it. They had their first game together against the Boston Celtics on November 20th. And man, this this two-game stretch with the Celtics and Rockets home games were just absolutely unbelievable and just a small microcosm of the potential that this team has. And even when they are not playing particularly well in some instances, in both of these games, they had their lulls, they had their droughts, but they were, they were able to make the big plays down the stretch in each game to come away with thrilling victories. And in the Boston ball game, uh, you know, they were down 10 in the fourth quarter, really went through a spell offensively, couldn't get the stops they needed. And it was Patrick Beverly with his grit, his rebounding. He had 16 rebounds in the game. He hit a big three to kind of start the thing rolling for the Clippers. And then it was the Lou Williams show, made a couple of big threes, including one off a great outlet pass from Kawhi Leonard to give the Clippers the lead. We went to overtime, and that was when we saw the full effect of just how much attention Kawhi Leonard and Paul George draw on the floor. Double teams for both led to the Clippers really funneling the ball through Montrez in the middle and then he, who has improved so much as a playmaker in his own right, finding Patrick Beverly for some wide-open threes uh, to, to end the ball game. And the Clippers ended up winning that game 107-104. Oh, by the way, Kawhi Leonard block shot on Kemba Walker to win the ball game, to close it on the last play. Uh, but, but as we said, it was just a microcosm of what they could be. And even when the defense was intent on taking the ball out of the hands of Kawhi and Paul George, it was the other players that could step up for the Clippers. We know Lou does that all the time. Of course, Montrez. But even Montrez, as we just mentioned, as a facilitator, he's averaging a little over two assists per ball game, and he's gotten so much better in the middle of the floor when they work that pick and roll, whether it's off a trap or his traditional pick and roll with Lou Williams, of reading the defense. You know, He's great at catching and surveying the scene. He can make a ball fake. He can put it on the floor and create for himself, and he can pass and find shooters. That's why... Montrez has been such a valuable piece for the Clippers and and honestly this team depending on what we see from the Western Conference it's it's such a stacked conference but they they honestly might have four all-stars on this team with how good Montrez Harrell has become along with Lou and of course Kawhi and PG so they got that victory versus the Celtics and then it it set up a rematch against the Rockets uh, the Clippers nine days prior we mentioned had lost to the Rockets on the road in a game that they probably should have won. They played very well defensively, got themselves in position, and then melted down on a couple of those plays where James Harden, you know, as he does, he's such a dynamic scorer and so crafty, as they call it on ESPN. Uh, there's some other words for it as well, but Harden, uh, tricky, whatever you want to say, grabbing opponents, fooling officials into fouls, and and making plays like that helped the Rockets come away with a win. He had a big night in that first ball game, so much as the Celtics did to the Clippers in the game prior with their double teams and traps on Kawhi, the Clippers were refusing to let Harden do the same thing he did in the first matchup. Now, he still got his points. He still got to the free throw line. But late in that ball game, they were trapping him near midcourt at every single play and forcing other Rockets to make plays, even Russell Westbrook, who is a great player. But he has really struggled with his shot and sometimes can be very erratic. So... You look at it at the last possession of the ball game for the Rockets in a game that they were down by by one. Uh, they ended up losing by three. Clippers double-teamed James Harden. 
Westbrook, instead of attacking the rim, which is his forte, settles for a three, which any team will live with all day. He misses badly. Clippers get the rebound, hit some free throws. Beverly and Westbrook talk some smack to each other, and the Clippers come away with a 122-119 win. But that was a game, they were down five with a minute to go, and we saw all three closers for the Clippers do their job. And started with Paul George hitting a corner three to make it a two-point game. Then the Clippers' defense dug in its heels. Jermichael Green with a big block led to a transition three for Lou Williams, one of the big three. And then after James Harden free throws on one of those plays where he wraps the arm of his opponent, uh, it was Kawhi Leonard with the game-winning jumper, and then George with some free throws to ice it. So all three of them on display showing what they could do. And it was one of the most exciting games of the year, a 122-119 win. And I think that was one that was really a catalyst for this team in, in terms of showing what they could do in crunch time situations and just showing what they could do at home. We know they're 13-1 and at home right now. That was one of the best crowds of the season and one of the best crowds in a long time. They were into it. They were loud, and they were a big factor down the stretch to help the Clippers win that ball game. And that has really carried over in the rest of their home games. They had a, an easy win against the Pelicans to redeem that previous loss as well. And then another game where they put up 150 on the Wizards. And then their most recent ball game against the Portland Trailblazers. Kind of going through the motions in the first half, still scoring over 60. But a uh, close game at the half, and then the Clippers turned on their defense in the second half holding the Blazers to under 100 after giving up 60 in the first half. So their defense was phenomenal in the second half, ended up winning by 20 and really just outclassing the Blazers to go to 13-1 and at home and win 9 of their last 10, as we said. The only real clunker in there was the game at the Spurs to end a three-game road trip after the Clippers had played very well in their previous two road games. They crushed the Mavericks, who have been playing extremely good basketball, and then just squeaked by the Grizzlies without Kawhi Leonard on the Montrez tip-in. But that Spurs game was one of the rare nights where we saw not one, not two, not three, but all four of the Clippers stars struggle from the field. So it was one of those rare games where that happened, and you just kind of wipe it away and go forward. And that's what that's what the Clippers did. We mentioned they picked up those two home wins to kind of get themselves righted after that. So it'll be a big-time test now as the Clippers have gotten fittingly stuffed around Thanksgiving, feeling good, feeling happy with their home cooking. And now it's time to, to take that onto the road and see how successful they can be. 13-1 at, at home and 16-6 and six overall means they're just 3-5 and five on the road so far. So that's something that's going to have to improve for this ball club. And taking a little bit deeper look into it, Farvad Eshnashari, who does such a great job covering the Clippers, he tweeted some of the specifics about why the Clippers have struggled on the road and Certainly a factor for them is injuries. Uh, in their 3-5 and five mark on the road, 1-2 and two when only Kawhi is playing. 0-1 without Kawhi in PG, which makes a lot of sense. 1-1 uh, with just Paul George playing, and 1-1 one one with both Kawhi and Paul George playing. So just really two games where they've had both PG and Kawhi on the floor. They should have them for a majority of this road trip. Now there is a back-to-back -back in this six-game road trip, so Kawhi will likely sit one of those as has been customary for managing his knee injury and the load management for Kawhi. But for the Clippers in this upcoming road trip, it's going to be a really tough task. And it starts with, as we said, one of the best teams in basketball, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. And this is a team the Clippers have already seen once back at Staples Center. They actually performed very well in that ball game, but ended up losing by five. And that was without Kawhi Leonard and without Paul George. 
Lou Williams and Montrose Harrell each had 34 points apiece in that ball game, and Pat Bev had a 20 and 10 game. Also, Shaman hit four threes, but they ended up losing by five in that game. Giannis Antetokounmpo had a monster night, which is the norm for him. His averages are right near what he had in this game. The scoring was a little higher: 38 points, 16 rebounds, and nine assists for Giannis. Uh, hopefully, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the floor, that'll help them out a little bit defensively against. Milwaukee. Jermichael Green is questionable in this game on Friday night, so we'll see if he plays, but he's obviously a factor and, and Harkless, but those are guys that can help. No one can stop Giannis, but help slow him down, and we know what Kawhi did with Giannis last year in the playoffs, so it should be a great matchup. It's one of the best games of the year, honestly, in terms of two of the best teams. It could be a finals preview. We know that these are two of the likely four or five teams that are really the upper tier, upper class of the NBA. So it should be a fun matchup there. And and for the Clippers looking forward in this entire road trip, the Bucks, then you have the Wizards, who the Clippers already put a beat down on, but a team that can't be taken lightly either. They're kind of overachieving at 7-13. and 13, And despite their horrific defense, the Clippers put up 150 on them, their offense is explosive and they score a lot of points. And that is the first game of a back-to-back. It likely will be the game, if we had to guess, the one that Kawhi sits as they play the Pacers on a second night of a back-to-back. Pacers a little bit better team, way better team actually than the Wizards. 14-7 and seven right now. They're playing really well. So you'd anticipate the Doc Rivers would likely have Kawhi sit if he's sitting one of the two against the Wizards and then be ready to play on Monday against the Pacers. And you've got Kawhi's return to Toronto on December 11th, which is a Wednesday, before two more road games against the Timberwolves and the Bulls. So you know, there are some bad teams on this road trip, but there are also some really tough games. So for the Clippers, as we said, they're going to have to prove that they can win consistently on the road. The past few years, they have been a good road team. There's no reason why they can't be with their talent. And every single night, they should be favored to win most ball games. Uh, the Bucks game might be an exception, that one. Milwaukee has the slight favor in that one being at home. But in general, the Clippers are going to have that. And they have to take advantage of this time as... They got fat at home, as we said, did a great job there. But now the road looms large. Nine of the next 11 games on the road. And this is going to be a big test for this team. I think that they're well up to the task. And as we said, injuries have been a factor in kind of their prior road record to this point. Uh, And you look at some of the stats for the Clippers. Of course, Paul George missed the first 11 games of the year. We know Kawhi has missed games due to his knee and load management. He's missed six. And then, of course, Shamit has been out. He should return soon, likely sometime on this road trip, maybe the back half of the trip, the final two or three games. But he has missed 12 games. Magruder's missed the last seven. Uh, Patrick Patterson has sat out a few. Patrick Beverly sat out a few. But uh, this is a team that hasn't had its full contingent of players together for any game yet this season. They've had they've become close, as we said. But with Shamit still out and Magruder still out, uh, it's a chance for the Clippers to continue to build and get better once everyone is back and at full strength but with all that said 16 and 6 and you look at Kawhi Leonard's numbers they're really outstanding considering when you see him on the floor you can tell that he is being affected a little bit uh, by his knee injury And, and some of that might just be him pacing himself he plays at his own slower speed anyway but with all that said Kawhi Leonard 25 points a game eight rebounds five and a half assists two steals and a block And that's with him kind of going through the motions. And, uh, you know, he's had his fourth quarters where he's really turned it on. And you look at Kawhi and you're like, wow, this is the best player in the game. 
And he's had other stretches where just looks a half step slow, a little bit stiff. Uh, there's nothing to worry about with Kawhi. I think as long as they continue to, to manage him the right way and he builds himself up throughout the season. But as he said, even when he doesn't look like he should be dominating, he still is dominating. And then, of course, you have, as we've talked about, George Williams Harrell dominating offensively and, and Shamit and others waiting in the wings. And on our first episode, when we were previewing the team, we talked about some of the younger guys who could make an impact for this team if there happened to be injuries or playing time that became available. And we have seen more minutes for Terrence Mann and Jerome Robinson in particular, especially with Shaman and Magruder out. And I do think both of them have an opportunity to make an impact. Now, when we get to playoff time, if everyone's healthy, they likely won't be a big-time factor. But especially in the case of Jerome Robinson, this is a guy they spent a lottery pick on. There were other enticing players on the board at the time. I do feel like he's taken a nice step in his defense in particular and his ball handling. But for someone who has a very nice shooting stroke and has been touted as a knockdown shooter, he simply has to shoot the ball better for the Clippers to continue to give him these minutes. Now he's young. This is really the first time in his NBA career he's starting to get these minutes. So rhythm, you know, confidence, comfort, that's all a factor. Uh, and his shooting numbers overall, at least from the three-point line, are not terrible for Jerome Robinson as Jerome shooting 34% from three, so right along the NBA average there, but overall 35% from the floor. And while most of his attempts are from three, they're actually about half, so his two-point field goal percentage is very low right now. He's getting a lot of good looks, and he's someone who, with a nice shooting stroke, with a nice touch, has to shoot better for the Clippers to, to really solidify his role in the team, because you look at the minutes he's getting. Of course, Shamit will get a lot of that when he gets back, but there's an opportunity for Robinson to make a big impact with his team when he does play because of all the attention that everyone else draws. He's going to get open looks. And those are shots that he's going to have to make. So I do think Jerome has a, a ton of potential that he can untap and, and uncork for this Clippers team. So hopefully that comes to fruition for him. And, and Terrence Mann seems like another great find for the Clippers. We talked about it in the preseason where he looked really good. You know, he hasn't had a ton of opportunity at this level, but has gotten a few starts. He's played pretty well for the Clippers. And, you know, his two-point field goal percentage is up near 60%. He's shooting 50% from the field. Not shooting a ton of threes, but a great job of just penetrating, facilitating for this Clippers team and finishing inside. So I think with that, uh, these are just young guys that can continue to develop and help the Clippers, but they're getting opportunities now, and I think that they can that can help lead them in the future to being actual full-time contributors for this ball club when they'll need that in years to come. But hopefully for Jerome, as we said, he finds the shooting touch because I do think he can be a nice piece for this ball club with his ability to theoretically be a knockdown shooter and his ability to handle and pass and finish at the rim. I think all those tools are there, and that's what they saw in him when they drafted him. It's just for him to put it all together and, and do it on a consistent, consistent basis for the Clippers. So... For this Clippers team, we mentioned the road trip, six games, once again, Milwaukee, Washington, Indiana, Toronto, Minnesota, and Chicago. They'll then come back home for Phoenix and Houston, another game versus Houston. They go out on the road with the Spurs, the Thunder, and then Christmas night against the LA Lakers, which is a showdown circled on the calendar. Of course, the Clippers beat the Lakers in the opening game of the season without Paul George. Uh, everyone should be ready and rocking to go. The Lakers and Clippers, of course, the two best teams in the Western Conference right now. So we'll look forward to all of that and continue to rock along with you with the Clippers schedule here on Believe in Clippers. 
Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Really happy you could join us once again. And as we've said, we will have a new co-host joining me in future episodes to continue the Clippers talk here as well. Some great guests upcoming in the next few weeks. But we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming and bringing you an episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast at least once a week here on the Believe Podcast Network. And know that if you enjoy the show, we're available on all of your favorite directories, Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. If you are following along on Apple, please subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps out the show. You can also find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Go check out Believe.com. There's shows on anything you could want in the sports landscape all over the map with NBA teams, Major League Baseball teams, NFL, whatever you want. It's all there on the Believe Podcast Network, so go check that out. But that is going to do it for this week's episode. We'll talk to you again in just a couple of days here on the Believe Podcast Network. But you've been listening here on LA's number one sports podcast network, the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams and our LA clips. Do you believe? Go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.